0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of How to Scale a Business. I'm on with Paul Paken, and his company, Vablet, has been in business now for over 12 years. He's been the architect of the Vablet platform for over 23 years, and he works with people in the life sciences space to help them with sales enablement. He also works in a couple of other industries as well, but uh, wanted to get him on the show and have him share his advice to everybody about how to grow a business for over a decade because it sounds like it's been a while. You guys have been around a lot of advice to share, so thank you so much, Paul, for being on the show.
1: Thank you, it's my pleasure to be here and thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Paul Paikin, I am co-founder um, and the maker of the technology called Vablet. We actually have been in business since 2001. I was CTO of oh, wow. public.com and of course, and the rest of the .coms we blew up in March of 2020. We were doing <laughs> email marketing, we're like 2 million emails a week. Um, it's just really hard to make money back in the first bubble, but we learned. And, and yeah. scale, people think about scale as an afterthought. Scale has to be there from your design. How right. do I grow my business? And I know this is all about scaling. So we took our right. knowledge of building these email servers back in 99 to go from 200,000 emails a day to a million emails a day in the wow. early days of email. Um, so for scaling, I think everybody will say, well, just use the cloud. Just spin up more. Server. Right, and it really is. We've been on Microsoft Azure since 2010, and that was like one of its first years. They didn't have the auto scalers that they have now, or AWS has. So
0: yeah, we had to write our
1: own scaling technology.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: you still need to architect your solution so it can run on multiple servers. And in the yeah. early days of running websites, you know, if you can get 5,000 people to sign up on your form, you are like thrilled. We learned in 1996, I launched the first travel website called Travel Bug, and we had a competition. You could win two plane tickets as long as you had to enter once per hour. Well, people entered the last five minutes of the hour, not distributed. Mm. So as a geek, we would be testing how many people can get on at once, but we never thought that everybody would jump on in the same window of time. Yeah, so we learned, yeah, you have to stress test whatever you're building. Think of it right. as a boat and it's filling with water and it'll dump over. So if you can just figure out where you find that nice little medium, then your boat won't capsize and no one gets hurt. <laughs> um, so when the iPad came out, and this is in April of 2010, right. I actually just flown back to California from a business trip to New York. And it was 6 a.m. I got with my... My then 13-year-old daughter, we waited online for three hours at an Apple store. And they're like, they actually had people that would ho- hold your place in line that you could go experience this new iPad technology. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we would hold our place in line. And my daughter was like, this is great. And then mm. I immediately am buying two iPads, one for one of my developers and one for me, of course. Right. And um, I go, what's a popular game? And they said plants versus zombies oh yeah and this was before the freemium model you lie, right. right and it was 9.99 to download but that was so much cheaper than a nintendo cartridge
0: yeah 29.95
1: and right. i'm never gonna hear my kids say i lost my cartridge
0: <laughs> so that's so true so we get
1: plants versus zombies and that afternoon i took my son uh, to the California Science Center, which is about a two-hour drive from Orange County, yeah. to LA, and um, not one are we there yet? <laughs> on the iPad. So, yeah. Anybody that's heard that phrase never wants to hear that phrase again.
0: Yeah, that's so, frustrating. Yeah, no, okay. it's that's really interesting. And and you actually happen to know uh, AJ Goyle by chance with GMass? The name hits a.
1: I, I've heard the name, but I don't, I can't
0: no, say it's just, He He's like another email veteran. Uh, he was just on the show recently. They, they scaled to uh 1.5 million users and he's been around for 20 years, uh, in the email game, but just really interesting to hear your story there. Um, you know, I, I am curious, uh, you know, you are a, a SaaS business and one of the, I'm also a software developer as well. I have a SaaS product too. Um, one of the things that I've been trying to come up with a formula around, and maybe there already is one that exists, but uh, I've been through two versions of my software. I'm going into the third version right now. And in the first two versions, I added too many features, even though I thought I wasn't overdeveloping. I actually was. And uh, because once I started to scale and we had you know, hundreds of people on the platform, the maintenance time increased on all the features, right? Because you have to keep them up. The uptime expectation is higher because there's all these people on the platform. So how do you think about maintenance versus feature development? And is there, is there almost like a formula you can make where it's like, Hey, if you have this many unique features that require maintenance over time, you know, if you add new features, your maintenance cost increases by this much, like, Do you think about it that way when you scale or how do you think about it?
1: Well, like you, we added too many features early on. And Mm. yes, between the QA process to make sure everything was right. And then you have the documentation process. And Uh, then actually our biggest customers were like, slow down, have fewer releases. Okay, we're a mobile platform. Yeah, We work on iOS, on Android, on Windows. And if there's an update to Android or Windows 11 and something in iOS 16, we right. have to make, maintenance is two thirds of our, our life is making sure that we work on all platforms consistently. Yeah. But we were told we were confusing our customers by releasing too many features mm. all the time. So our advice would be bundle up your releases with lots of features, maybe to twice a year.
0: Mm. And when you look
1: at the behemoth Salesforce, right in the South yeah. space, they really promote our spring release. Right. So they, they add a lot of features, but they don't do it every time. It means mm. the QA cycle. You can keep your current customers happy and engaged. Right. And then you're testing. So you can really make sure your features are there. Because, yes, yeah, somebody would say, hey, what about this? And what mm. about this? And what we also believe is listen to your customers. We're very fortunate with these life science customers. They tell us really what features they need to help our platform move forward. yeah, I'm always looking forward with AI and what can we do, but the clients are listening. So listen to your clients for features. Don't think that, oh, you're the technologist, you know more than everybody. Yeah. The problem that you and I have is we're too close to it. We're on top of the tech and we get very biased and it's not intentional,
0: but it's
1: there. So I would think as you get older, okay, as your product matures, if you're spending half your time doing maintenance, I think that's to kind of to be expected. Yeah. But we, do, we budget a month a year for code cleanup. So every year in July, Apple has the, well June, they have the Worldwide Development Conference and they announce the next version of iOS which ships typically in September. So we take mm-hmm. June as a month every year and we just go through all the code. Other libraries that we're using that are updated because Something that can really butt you in the butt is you used a three-year-old library and now it's not compatible with right. edge or it changes to Chromium. So
0: yeah.
1: it's, it's not only are you adding are too many features, you have to educate your features and tell your clients about your features, but the world is evolving around us. And I don't think yeah. people realize that unless you're so close to it. Cause I know people are like, hey, this doesn't work on IE. And we're like, right. oh, use Edge. Um, Yeah. We didn't support Edge. And now everybody's on Edge, but IE officially died two years ago. Yeah. But people didn't adopt it. Right. So we're close. And if you're building software, you need to make sure it runs on like Android version 10 and Android 11. Not everybody's on 12.
0: Yeah. (laughs) That's so true. And I think you know it's it's interesting. I see you have different industries um, on here. I have actually a lot of marketing agencies that listen to the show because um, we have over 4,000 in our uh, private and public uh, groups online. Um, how 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 why why are they on there? Is is it because it's more like a partnership, or, or do you guys actually sell to them too? Because um, I know you said life sciences. So I'm just curious.
1: Okay, so. The thing we, we like being lean and we're, we're it's nimble, we focus on the product. Yeah, we were a lot of our clients use agencies to create the content they put yeah. into our container. So, to simplify what valid is, imagine I'm a pharmaceutical rep and I'm visiting a doctor and I yeah. want to tell them about my new drug. They use our platform because we can make sure that it's the right version of the file during that presentation. If you show an yeah. old file, you can be fine. Um, but creating all this really rich content. Did we want to be an agency? Did we want to be a SaaS company Did we want to be one of the professional services firm? We want to be a product company and make a great product, which means we really just couldn't be an agency, which is all things to all people creating content. Right. So we right, partner right. An agency. So an agency will say, Hey, I'm talking to this client and I have all this collateral and yeah. they need to be able to present it. So we the agency will actually bring us in and say, "We'd like to present you to this company, but the agency is the vendor of record. The agency mm-hmm. really has that relationship they've worked on, and, and agencies don't like to give up their relationships. No at all
0: <laughs> no) <laughs> Yeah, I have a marketing agency and the software product, so I'm very much familiar with this. Um, it's cool. I mean, honestly, I haven't heard anybody doing what you're doing with the focus on life sciences. Um, so it is almost kind of like a partner relationship with these marketing agencies to an extent. Um, can you give us a sense of like whatever you're able to share, whether it's like number of clients that are using the software or just some sense of what you guys have been able to scale to over the last um, you know, 10, 20 years uh, would be really helpful for everybody listening to contextualize uh, what you've just said. <clears throat> okay,
1: so um, it's, it's funny. People always talk about your client. So once again, if you're looking to build a product, and I, I do this with my kids, which are now older, um, yeah. right, total addressable market. How big is your market? Mm. So if you're building a product, we wanted to find a market that had budget and right. pay. So financial services and a lot of people in our space went after fintech or we went after life sciences, but manufacturing companies have paint. So we're always kind of looking to see, you know, who's got pain, who's got budget. And, and out of that, we have roughly 155 clients, but one client can have 172 divisions. So we, we don't try to be, and we have 40,000 registered seats all the time in activity. Yeah. We didn't try to be in the millions of seats. And we didn't, right. I would rather build proposals for the world's largest XYZ company than yeah. work with a thousand little companies. Now, we're lucky. We have some of the largest life science companies in the world as our clients. So we have good leveraging testimonials. Yeah. The industry that we picked, and once again, having domain expertise is important. We've been working with life science companies since 2006, way pre iPad. We were doing digital signage in doctor's offices. So we we understand, once again, the medical device industry that we're in and and what was it like. And it sounds funny, but I thought when the iPad first came out, wouldn't it be great to walk into a doctor's office and they would hand you a tablet and then you'd watch whatever they wanted you to watch so the doctor knew you were educated their way? Well, we learned when we launched our product, selling to one doctor at a time, that's not easy. No. Selling to a life science company at a time is easier. Right. So once again, what is the cost of acquisition, but what is it really the cost to support a client? And, and quite frankly, with a really large company, as long as, okay, don't screw up. Rule number one <laughs> is to apologize really quickly. Right. And try to make it good. But if you get into a large client, just keep moving the ball forward. You don't have to be, the most innovative or have the right. coolest AI feature, you have to do yeah. something that is trusted, that is reliable. So you don't need feature creep. Now
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's cool. I went to Dreamforce in September and- Oh, Slack nice. Everywhere. And I go, wouldn't it be really cool to integrate Babbit with Slack, which we just finished about a week ago. So oh, it nice. approved in the Slack store but I'll see cool stuff and I ask my clients who's using Slack and they're like eh we're not really using it yet. So sometimes I do build stuff because yeah. Wayne Gretzky would say in hockey go to where the puck will be, not where the puck is.
0: Yeah. That's so yeah. true. I think there I think it is such a you know I think it's it's kind of one of those things where it's like uh, I have a tendency to not only build too much but also get very distracted and my distraction tends to derail the uh, momentum that is being built up within my own company. And I do think there is that constant balance when you're scaling between uh, do I build this thing and potentially change the trajectory of where things are going? Because change can improve, but it can also destroy. Uh, or do I just stay the course and not add that new feature and just let things continue to compound? Um, it's a constant struggle. I think it's the whole innovator's dilemma. is not the whole title of that book. I haven't read it yet actually, but I've heard of it. And yeah. I'm assuming that it's from what I've heard, I'm assuming it's kind of that problem is you let things stay the same that are working or do you change and potentially uh, make things worse, <laughs> but also could make things better. So it's the, it's that hard chasm you have to cross through, but I really appreciate you being on the show and uh, Paul, where could people go if they want to take you up on this, if they're a marketing agency, and maybe even share a little bit just at the end here of why yours is better than other solutions, um, et cetera. So.
1: My pleasure. Um, there are some really great platforms. Yes, we've been around. We're one of the oldest ones. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of domain expertise in regulated industries, not only life sciences. And so that was, I, I think longevity is a good thing. Um, yeah. It shows stability. Um, so. The name Vablet comes from video tablet because I thought we'd be selling with videos in 2011. It took mm. into 2018 when the world really went video crazy. Yeah. So, if you ever want to learn about video tablet, that's Vablet. Um, that's kind of how you find it. Now we call it versatile tablet um, because we do a lot more than just videos, <laughs> learning content and scoring content and multimedia PDFs. But um, I, I still think videos are the way to go. And, and it's, yeah. and for agencies, if you're creating content and you want to show it to your client and then your client's well, how do we deploy it? And yeah. it sounds funny. If you're just building PDFs, you don't need a tool like us. Dropbox is, is wonderful. But if you're building multimedia engagements and if you're trying to do something today, I most likely, whatever sales tools you have, you're going to have videos and videos yeah. is, you know, are just large. And now how do I share a large video? And then how do I get analytics? And what if it's something that I don't want to share with everybody? You just built a really cool campaign (laughs) for Fashion Week. Maybe you want to share it with somebody. And then after a week, have it self-destruct and go away. Yeah. Uh, So it's the thing is, you're the creators. The agencies are creating this content. Right. Agencies need to create their content. That's where we come in. And, And for us, like I said, life's kind. Well, what sets us apart, I think, for most of the competitors in our stack is, I really believe that the world can be, everything can be managed by smartphones mm-hmm. and by tablets. Yeah. And, and even though I, I launched an ISP in 1999, I still believe in the disconnected world. So Vablet works completely offline. So for example, if I'm meeting with somebody in a basement of a building and my contacts come from Salesforce, they're sitting on my phone or on my yeah. tablet, I present to you, I take my notes about my meeting. And then when I go online again, It'll synchronize in the background. Up yeah. And in, in, in New York or in LA, where I used to live, sometimes you've got really, really good internet, and then sometimes the internet's not so good.
0: Mm. So,
1: and if you're in a sales presentation and you get 45 seconds for that elevator pitch in an elevator, or five minutes, to me, I'd rather have the content sitting on my local device.
0: Right. That's so <laughs> interesting. That's so interesting, and especially yeah for these more. Uh high tech or, or high uh risk fields where they need to have all the right information and they need to have it at their fingertips. It's super interesting. So um again thanks so much for being on the show. For everybody listening, definitely go check out Vablet V-A-B L E T dot com. V-A-B-L-E-T dot com. If you want to partner with him, he has lots of solutions for marketing agencies, but then as well, uh Life science businesses—that's the main focus. If you're a marketing agency that's working with life science business, or you're in the life science space now, then feel free to reach out. Go to the website, check it out. Maybe you guys can work together. So, uh, thanks so much for being on the show, Paul, uh, and we appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Lucas, and thank you so much for arranging that and helping spread the word about scaling your business.
0: Thanks.